You are listening to the Baseball in the Burrows podcast, where myself, Tyler Smith, and Noah Broderick talk about baseball with a pretty bad microphone. Time to listen to a 20-second GarageBand clip to make the transition into the episode a little less awkward. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to season two of the Baseball and the Burrows podcast. The World Series concluded about a week ago, and we decided it would be a perfect time to launch our second season of the podcast itself. And it starts uh, just about the what, like second day of free agency, I want to say. And there's no better way to kick off a brand new season slash offseason of baseball and the podcast by doing a deep dive into free agency. So uh, Noah and myself have a list of all the big name free agents. Uh list of landing spots for them, predicted contracts on a lot of the guys. And uh, this is one of the things that we're most excited to do every year. I remember last year we had a blast doing this, you know, following free agency. I remember at the time when we booted up the podcast last year, Noah was obviously still in high school. He's finishing his last year back at home. So, you know, we had these emergency podcasts going where Garrett Cole would sign at like 9, 10 o'clock at night, and we tried to record ASAP. You know, Steven Strasburg with the same thing, Anthony Rendon. And, you know, those are some of our our biggest and uh, most listened to episodes just because, uh, you know, so many people are interested in hearing about this stuff. Obviously, you Yankee and Mets fans out there are going to want to hear what we're talking about with our respective teams. So we're really looking forward to this episode and we're looking forward to the launch of the new season. Again, shout out to our guy, Greg Spica. He launched our awesome new channel art. Shout out to Brian Muller. He gave us the idea and he made the season one art, you know, the regular black background with the subway lines and the transit lines in New York. And Greg added to that in another cool way. So shout out both of those guys for helping us out. I'm really proud of how that looks. Before we start this episode, of course, Noah is here. As always, how you doing, man? I'm just excited to uh, get back to the off-season pods because I think, like you said last year, these were our most like listened to podcasts. And personally, it's like my favorite time of the year with baseball. I mean, obviously, I love watching the games and October baseball and everything like that. But when you like have all these free agents out there and you can like kind of think about all the different teams they could impact and how the landscape of the league could really change. I think it's really exciting. And um, I'm, I'm excited to do this podcast. I think I find myself listening to Bill Simmons podcast a lot more in the NBA off season, you know, when like trades are going down or Zach Lowe or um, in baseball, you know, listening to MLB network a little bit more watching that. Um, so hopefully we can provide that for you guys. I'm also really tired. Full disclaimer. <laughs> I think Tyler is too. I think we're pretty much, flamed out with this semester yeah. i mean we've got a lot more work left in it but i think it'll be a little bit easier for us to manage it when we're back home uh being on campus you know kind of bouncing around doing a bunch of different things and uh it's 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 tiring so i'm i'm running on a little bit of uh low energy today not much sleep but things like this definitely get my uh definitely get me going so let's let's get to it yeah so full disclaimer first of all you know, me and Noah, we we're not we can only predict so hard as to so well as to where these guys are going to go. You know, you're going to see a trend in a lot of these picks. Is you know, we're picking some of these high end teams. You know, me and Noah aren't predicting what the Colorado Rockies are going to do in free agency. We're not going to say they're going to sign you know guy X to Y amount of years for Z amount of dollars, whatever. Uh, we just had to have a little bit of fun with this. And you know, obviously, we have a bunch of premier free agents. You know, we said this last week. This isn't a season where you have Bryce Harper and Manny Machado to look after or Steven Strasburg, Garrett Cole, Anthony Rendon, you know, all top five players in their respective positions. But I mean, some of these guys on the list are really heavy hitters and uh, 
the storyline is going to be interesting going into the offseason. And, you know, it's just begun because of so many things. And on top of that, you look at the market. Obviously, teams lost a ton of money. They played 102 less games this year. The playoff format, you know, was expanded. That helped. But, you know, these guys also didn't have fans. So, um, you know, I, I don't think this is going to be a year where, you know, based on the year Trevor Bauer had last year, you, you could expect this guy to, you know, maybe get somewhere in like that 32 to 35 range. All of a sudden, we don't know. Uh, you know, JT Romuto talked about how he wanted to hit a $200 million contract. Uh, we Neither of us think that's going to happen. But, um, yeah, regardless of that, let's get into it. No, the first guy we're going to talk about, he doesn't need any introduction, is Trevor Bauer. We were just talking about him, so I guess technically that is an introduction for him. But uh, maybe I'll just edit that out of the podcast because I sound like a dumbass right now. But anyway, uh, Trevor Bauer's a very interesting case. He's had a couple good seasons in his career uh, last year, and I believe it was 2018, I want to say. I'm not too yeah, sure about that in Cleveland. And you know what you're getting with Trevor Bauer in terms of his personality. I mean, in a good and a bad way, the guy's weird. He's active on social media. He does a bunch of weird stuff. Uh, he threw the ball over the fence, over the center field wall in Kansas City last year. And Terry Francona pulled him from the game. He was like, dude, what the hell was that? Uh, you see he tweets stuff. You know, the fan engagement's really high. But besides that, he's gone on the record to say that, one, he doesn't want to lock himself into a situation where – he's at a team he's not happy with in a long-term deal. You know, you'll see a lot of guys, let's say, you know, Robinson Cano, for an example, uh, for example, when he signed that mega deal with Seattle, they never won or did anything really. Um, you know, he's said he kind of try to is trying to avoid one of those deals. But at the same time, like we were saying, when you look at the market right now, I don't think, I think that he's going to get, I don't think he's going to do this one year deal, but I have him right now, a three-year deal for, uh, I have like $93 million, something like that, around $30 million a year. He's going to go to the San Diego Padres. And another big thing he said was he wants to go to a franchise that's building a culture of winning, a team that's young and exciting, that plays baseball the right way. And, you know, we were Padres homers the entire 60 games this year, how awesome that Padres team is. And I think he really fits there, especially with um, the combination of veterans they're getting and that young core. So I haven't gone to the San Diego Padres. Uh, I've seen some people say, I saw a four-year, $128 million deal of the Dodgers, no which would be insane. I don't think that's happening. I, I don't. A lot of things I'm looking at here, I'm looking at the human aspect of it. I don't see Bauer going to the you know, reigning World Series champ. He wants to go to a young team that's building and a team that's almost ready to compete. Uh, I don't think the Dodgers make sense. You know, Some other teams we've even seen them linked to. Um, obviously, the Mets are in there. We've seen teams like the Angels. They need starting pitching. The Padres, obviously. So I'm going to go with the Padres. No, what do you got on Bauer? I have him going to the Angels, kind of a similar contract. I thought three years, $90 million with opt-outs after years one and two. Um, just because you already alluded to it, he said that he might want to do years to year. Initially, we thought he might just take a one-year deal for $35 million or something like that and just kind of go go based on that. But I think um, he's going to realize that he wants a little bit more security but also be able to get out if the situation's not right. Uh, the Angels don't really fit the bill of the young team that's building a winning culture, per se. But they've still got two of the top, you know, seven, whatever you, your rankings are, players in the game, uh, in Trout and Rendon. And they've still got Bundy sitting in the rotation. They've got Madden sitting there. They've got other young players like a Joe Adele on the roster or David Fletcher. So there's some appeal for going to that, that team. They should play pretty good defense behind them. He'd be the ace. I think that's something with him. He, you know, you see him all over Twitter and all over social media and all the comments that he makes. It seems like he's a little bit of an ego. I think he wants to be the ace of the staff, like the clear best guy. He wants the ball in game one. And, um, you know, there's probably not 10 guys I'd rather give the ball to in a game one. With that being said, I think there is some baggage that comes with him. You talked about the incident 
uh, in Kansas City where he launched the ball over the center field fence and they proceeded to trade him, I think, three days later, even though they were going to make the playoffs at the time. They were in the playoff mix. Um, and he's just kind of a pain. I mean, a lot of teams probably don't want to deal with him despite how great of a talent that he is. Um, but for the Angels, you don't really get to pick and choose that. You have to just take the talent because that's what you need. You have a desperate need for starting pitching. Uh, we know Artie Marino is still willing to spend, and that's their biggest need. They need an ace type. And if you slot Bundy in behind him, and then you can maybe get anything out of three to five, then you look at that team as being a lot more formidable. Um, so I haven't gone to the Angels. I could see the Padres. I could also see the White Sox. Um, I, I don't think the Dodgers are likely. I don't think the Yankees are likely in terms of big market teams. I don't think the Mets are very likely, although the Mets could use a guy like him, like another guy to really pair with the Grom, because you don't really know what you're going to get from Syndergaard. And I think the back of the rotation, you think, is pretty much the weakness of the team right now. Uh, so getting a guy like him would be great for the Mets, but I just don't think that he's going to go to one of those two big market teams. I think the Angels are big market LA, but they're a little bit more low-key. He can kind of get buried there. He's playing with stars. Um, I think that's a good spot for him. So you want to move on to Ramuto? Yeah, so real quick before we get into JT, I just wanted to ask you a question about Bauer. So, you know, the Yankees aren't in a position. I'm just asking you as – just because I want to ask you as a fan of a team. The Yankees aren't in a position where they're going to add a $30 million contract or what we're predicting is roughly $30 million a year for Bauer. As, you know, a baseball fan in general, let's say you were a fan of the Angels, you were a fan of even your Yankees. Do you think that Trevor Bauer's worth $30 million a year that we're projecting him to get at? Because, you know, like we said, he's worth a 5-8 war in 2018, a 2-5 in 60 games last year. Uh, in those years, he had a 2-2-1 and a 1-7-3 ERA. So this guy has shown that he can be, you know, an ace type, if not like a really, really good second. But, you know, many years in his career, he's also been like that, you know, four, four, five ERA guys. So do you feel comfortable as, let's say you're a fan of any of these teams, would you feel comfortable giving this guy, you know, this 30 million a year? If it's three years or less, yes. I, I really don't think anything in the realm of three years is that big of a risk. I think you can kind of play from one to two to three years and it's not really uh, too big of a deal. But once you kind of hit the four-year range, like the MLB trade rumors, I think it was, who had them Dodgers four years, 128, I think that's a little bit of a concern just because – it's hard to trade somebody like that and get fair value for what he's providing for you on the field at a four-year deal at that high of average annual value. Um, and, you know, we, we mentioned the baggage that comes with him. That's going to hurt, like hurt him a little bit. If he was a Garrett Cole or a Jacob DeGrom type off the field, I think that he would have a lot more appeal. But um, with all he said about one-year deals and kind of already getting traded twice – or no, just once, just once. Yeah. But already getting traded once – there's clearly just a little bit there. So I wouldn't really want to do that. But if it's three years and 30 million, sure. And if it's one year, I'd give them 40 million. I don't really care. It's a one year deal. But um, once you start getting into that four to five year uh, contract range is where you have to be a little bit more wary. Right. So like we said, the next guy we're going to go into JT Real Muto, probably the biggest bat slash field player we have on our list here, obviously along with George Springer, we'll get into in a little bit. JT Real Mutos is an interesting situation because the Phillies didn't extend him when they could have, when they traded for him in the 2019 season. They obviously didn't in 2020. And uh, obviously I watch the Phillies plenty every year because, you know, my New York Mets are in their division. Uh, the, the radio involvement I have here, I'm talking to plenty of Phillies fans and just paying attention to baseball in general. You know, JT Real Muto is paired up with the star in um, Bryce Harper and you've seen Bryce Harper on social media, on um, you know, post-game interviews, re-sign JT, bring back JT, et cetera, all this stuff. And the thing with, with me is I don't really 
I don't know how I feel about JT going back to the Phillies, but I predicted it on five years, $125 million, which is, you know, about a $20, $21 million annual average value. Um, with JT, I just think that you signed Bryce Harper to a 13-year deal like they did a couple of years ago. I feel like the Philly front office is going to be very pressured to make him happy because all of a sudden you get Bryce Harper in this market. You have him a huge advocate for bringing back JT Real Muto, the best catcher in baseball. And I, I kind of feel like Philly's going to do whatever they can to make Bryce Harper happy. And not only is it going to make Bryce Harper happy, obviously it's going to help the Phillies a ton. We saw last year their biggest weakness was their bullpen, uh, which we'll get into later in this segment or uh, this episode of the podcast, I should say. I think that Philly's going to do whatever they can to bring him back. Whether JT Real Muto feels like that bridge has kind of been burned because they didn't extend him when he was you know, putting up these great numbers. Uh, he's a 125 weighted runs created plus last year, 108 in his first year in Philly. He walked in an all-time high last year. I think he was like an 840 OPS guy last year. So clearly the best catcher in baseball plays good defense. Um, we know what his presence means behind the plate, especially to pitchers. I think Philly's going to do whatever they can to bring him back. And um, again, I don't love it. I don't love this decision just because it kind of seems like there's other suitors for him. And it seems like he might be on his way out. Obviously the Mets being one of the big ones you have uh, the Washington nationals. I know, and there's plenty of teams that need a good starting catcher. So uh, I'm going to go with the Phillies bringing back JT Real Muto five years, 125 million. Why don't you tell us what you get? Well, I love the player. I don't love the situation. Right. He's a catcher. Right. who's was 31, I believe with a bad hip. Um, paying him five years would scare me if I'm a team. I still might do it just because catching, I mean, the supply and demand of the position is so great. I mean, there's just really – there's not that many quality catchers out there, but everybody wants one. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, well, when, when, you, when one becomes available, you really try to do anything you can to secure them. Um, the Phillies gave up an arm and would like to get them. You see how good Sixto Sanchez looks for the Marlins now. Uh, I think the Phillies are going to do everything they can to retain him. It's not like John Middleton's crying poor. Uh, they have plenty of money. They, he referred to it as stupid money a few years ago. Uh, I think the Phillies are going to bid – I think it's really going to be less money than people think, though. I, I know you had it five at 125, 25 average annual. I have it at five years, 110 for $22 million a year. Um, I have him going to the Mets, so I know that makes you happy, I think. Uh, I mean, he's a great, great player. Uh, when you're getting 125 later, it's created plus out of your catcher, and he plays stellar defense, and the pitchers love throw it to him. He's got a good arm. He really doesn't have a weakness in his game. Uh, when you have that on your team, it gives you a huge competitive advantage over the rest of the teams. And uh, I think, you know, people are going to – teams are going to want him, but I think you're going to see a lot of bidding at the four-year level with higher average annual value. I think you'll see four-year, $95 million contracts offered to him, and I think it's going to be whatever team's willing to go to that fifth year. And I just feel like the Mets with Steve Cohen will be able to do that. We'll see if the Phillies are too. I'm not going to count them out. I think those are the two most likely suitors. Um, I mean, when you start looking at other teams, I mean, maybe Washington gets involved. I've – People have floated the Yankees out there. I don't see that happening, um, given that they have to pay LeMay, who's also out there, another really good position player. So I think the Mets is what I'm saying. It's pretty tentative. I think the Mets could go one way or another when it comes to Ramuto or Springer. I know we're going to get into that. Uh, so, yeah, Mets. That's for me. Yeah, and real quick, I misspoke on the JT thing. I said I put him at like an average uh, uh, of a salary at around $20, $21 million also. I had him at 125. I was trying to go in that 100 range also. I just misspoke, whatever. I know a lot of you guys out there are going to check me in my math, so I had to correct myself before we, we move along. But next guy, the guy I'm most excited for in free agency is center fielder George Springer. And first of all, what you say about the Mets potentially getting JT Real Muto, I think all things considered that makes the most sense just because 
obviously you look at this Mets starting rotation and you know, your two through five guys really are probably the biggest concern with the team right now, but the other two holes in terms of defense and um, in the box, you have center field and you have the catching spot, the catching spot that for the Mets just, you know, this has basically been the catcher for the Mets has been worthless. It's been a black hole for God knows how long since what, like Paul Duca maybe in 2006 or, uh, or or John Buck in 2012. I think he like led the the league in RBIs after like a month or something like that. Uh, You just made your dad really proud. I did clubhouse. Maybe John Buck was a clubhouse guy. We'll see. Uh, Anyway, um, with George Springer, I was saying a little bit of this to Noah off the podcast. I like George Springer going to the Mets just because, similarly with the catching situation, we've had a situation in center field where, you know, 2014, Juan Lagares wins a gold glove. The Will Ponds give him, you know, not a huge contract, but they extend him. I think it was like four or five years. Uh, and he never did anything with the bat. Obviously, we know what he could do with the glove. Before that, you had Angel Pagan. Angel Pagan's not a game changer. The last good center fielder the Mets had was Carlos Beltran in those early. 2000s years um and they've really missed that presence out in center field because if they need offense they're going to put a guy like Brandon Nimmo out in center Michael Conforto who can hold their own and they're they're pretty solid defenders in the corners but they're not center fielders and that's something that's really bit the Mets and the you know what in years past and um I think that Springer makes sense just to put out there because he's 31 now I believe or he's turning 31 he's got at least a couple more years out in center field he plays good defense um, he, you could plug him anywhere in the lineup. We've seen him lead off for the Astros. He could hit more in like, you know, anywhere from like that three to five range. And I like him out there just because, uh, it eliminates that situation of having to use a guy like Nimmo or someone else in the outfield. And similar, similarly, if you can plug a center fielder, a true center fielder into that lineup, it also opens up the possibility to deal a guy like Brandon Nimmo, who I keep mentioning, or, you know, JD Davis, one of these guys, to acquire, you know, something to help your starting pitching, something to help, uh, you know, you know, your bullpen, obviously. JT, or, or, uh, JT, again, makes sense for the Mets to put into the catcher, but I'm also kind of comfortable. You know, the Mets have a couple guys. I think Ali Sanchez and Tomas Nito. These guys are on bats again. You kind of get that black hole thing going, but at the same time, these guys are good uh, defensive catchers. We've seen Syndergaard opt to only want to work with Tomas Nito, so obviously he has some type of impact on the pitchers. This can go either way. I just like George Springer more as a player. And the reasons you laid out with JT Muto giving him that kind of contract scares me. So Tyler George Springer Smith on Twitter is going to go with the Mets signing George Springer. Five years, $120 million. What do you got? So here's the thing. I haven't seen a lot of Springer Mets links yet. Yeah. And I think it's more just been kind of fan speculation. I've seen the real Muto links with the Mets. Mm-hmm. I think catcher's a little bit bigger of a need. I think you could find a guy like a Jackie Bradley out and play in center field. And you get the defense out of him, yeah. and maybe the offense isn't as great, but you have Rumuto mm-hmm. instead of the catcher spot, so yeah. it kind of cancels each other out. I think Springer's pretty similar offensively. He's obviously better, but similar to what you have with Alonzo and Davis and these kind of right-handed power bats. Um, I don't really think he's necessarily a huge need in terms of offense, but he would definitely bring that kind of big-game moxie to the Mets, and that's something that they could use. And they also would give him a little bit of flexibility if they ever need to move him to a corner. My other thing is, I told you this a couple, I think last week, you have Conforto, mm-hmm. and a lot of Mets fans want to pay and extend Conforto, and that's you know very reasonable. Are you really going to extend two outfielders to 100-plus million-dollar contracts Fair. in the same you know 12 months, most likely? I, I just don't know if I see that. I could see them paying Conforto, but I think they're going to say, outfielders, it's pretty easy to kind of develop a lot of them, and you can get offense out of the position. You can also find them on the trade market and the free agent market every offseason. Let's just keep our guy – and let's go get Real Muto, who's playing a position that is not easy to acquire talent at. So that's my thing with Springer and the Mets. 
Uh, that's why I have Springer going to the Boston Red Sox uh, for a five-year, $125 million deal. Uh, the same deal you have Ramuto signing. I view Springer as the best player in this free agent class. I think he's just, you know, from when it comes to defense and big game hitting and being able to hit good pitching and just overall consistency in the regular season uh, when he's healthy. I think he's right up there, you know, in that Acuna, Soto type tier of player. Um, and he's probably a top 15 position player in the game. And I think he's still got a lot of good years ahead of him. Uh, I think, you know, you want to take advantage of this market. I just, I think Boston, if you slot him into the Mookie Betts role of that, that he was playing where he plays center a little bit, he'll play the corners a little bit. He'll DH a little bit. You lead him off and uh, he's from Connecticut. Bloom realizes he's, you know, going to be a value player. I think that just really works. Yeah, another good point you have with Springer, or another good point we can talk about with Springer is that I feel like the Red Sox are one of those teams, they were pretty dreadful last year. I feel like they're a team that's not going to put up with losing for a long time. Also, you know, they have a lot of money paid to guys like Chris Sale, who didn't pitch last year. I want to say he had Tommy John surgery in 2019, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Yeah, so. No, no, no. Um, Sale had last, Tommy John last year. Was it last spring. season? Yeah, okay, it was like you. right around when Seve right. and okay. uh, Thor had it. Yeah, okay. So, um, I, I just don't see the Red Sox as a team that's going to, you know, like acknowledge that they're not going to be great and not pay guys. I just kind of see them as one of those teams that's just going to throw out a big contract, you know, just to help out their team whatever way possible. That's a good call. Um, back to Springer real quick. You just know I'm a fan of the guy. That's why I want to see him go to the Mets. If it happens, I've said this before to you, if we get one of the guys, Real Muto or George Springer, I'll be happy with whatever. Um, next guy we're going to move into or move on to, I should say. That sounded weird. Don't call me out on that one. We have Marcel, like a nerdy tweet. Marcel Ozuna, who, uh, no introduction. Me and Noah love this guy. I talk about him all the time. He had an absolute monster year in 2020 with the Atlanta Braves on a one-year prove-it deal. 18 home runs, 56 RBIs, I want to say. Hit something 330, 340. Um, I don't think he was in MVP voting. It was Freddie Freeman, Mookie Betts, and Manny Machado. But I think, I think Marcel Ozuna had just as good a case as anybody that he could have been uh, finalist for the National League MVP. Guy doesn't play great defense. His market, um, we have no idea what's going to happen with the National League DH just because, you know, Manford, it seems like he's backpedaled on the idea of having an NLDH, says he might want to keep it out of baseball until maybe 2022. But this is a guy who doesn't play great defense. He had a shoulder injury in uh, St. Louis back in the couple years he was there that kind of hindered his ability. But his stick, we know what you're getting with the stick. I mean, like I said, the guy was phenomenal last year. I have him going to the Nationals on a four-year, $80 million deal. And this Nationals offense struggled mightily last year. Obviously, losing Strasburg didn't help them. Their bullpen was historically bad in 2019. Um, I think that's something they could address moving down the line. But we know their starting rotation is going to be fine with Scherzer, Corbin, Strasburg. Um, that offense has really struggled. Obviously, you lose Anthony Rendon, and all of a sudden that team goes from – and Juan Soto, who was a monster, but he missed the first uh, five to ten games of the season – um, I just think this makes sense. I see Marcelo Zuna going back to a uh, another National League East team. That'll be his third National League East team in his career. Um, I think it's a good fit for them. What do you have? I mean, I think Ozuna to the Nats makes a lot of sense, and I think it's something I'd like to see happen because he kind of slots into the Anthony Rendon right-handed bat role yep. where he bats in front of Soto, and you have those two. You have Turner, Eaton, Ozuna, Soto. And I think that kind of gives them that 2019 feel of their lineup. Key boom. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> I I have admit, I have not murdered the murmured the words keyboom in so long. It felt so good to get it out. God, <laughs> uh, I don't even know where to go from here. Uh, Ozuna, I just have him going back to Atlanta, three years, uh, sixty three million, a little bit less of a contract. 
I told you this before. I really don't see that many more than three or four or four plus a year deals mm-hmm. given, given out this offseason just because of the state of the market. I already saw guys like Brad Hand and Colton Wong are basically getting non tendered. They're just being given away, and these are really solid players at their positions. Uh, Ozuna kind of, I mean, he got a one year deal last year, and he had a pretty good year with St. Louis the year before that. Now, he had a great year, so I think that's going to earn him a three year deal with the team that he had it with. Uh, he gives the Braves protection for their young bats. Slots into the same role that he was in. They're one game away from the World Series this year. Uh, he had arguably his best season along with that uh, that year in Miami, too, uh, hitting in this lineup and in that ballpark. I think he'll sign pretty early in the offseason. Alex Anthopoulos usually likes to get those deals done pretty fast. You saw Will Smith get signed, I think, right in the beginning of November last year. Uh, that was the first move for the Braves. I think kind of a similar thing. I think he'll be one of the first players to sign. I think he goes back to Atlanta. Um, it's just kind of where one of those things where if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And we already have a bunch of these other guys switching teams, so I'm saying Azuna goes back. Yeah, so I don't think there's any more to add there. We know what he's going to do uh, in any lineup that he's plugged into. Next guy we're going to move on to. I believe I copied your notes. I just want to make sure. I, I have your notes the same, and I um, – yeah, I don't even – The same order. doesn't really matter. Next guy is DJ LeMayhew. Um, listen, the New York Yankees are the most – likely landing spot I think we both have him going there and I think that's just because Brian Cashman the Steinbrenners know how much DJ LeMahieu means to that team he's an MVP finalist this year saying that's weird just because you know one guy gets in a hot streak all of a sudden he's an MVP candidate that's not the case with DJ LeMahieu the guy's you know been phenomenal basically his entire career a batting champ in both leagues he can basically play every position in the infield um, I think we've seen him play just about ever. Has he played shortstop for the Yankees at any point? No, but I'm sure he could. I they mean, might he do it really, this year. He's our be, he's our, yeah. He was our best first baseman, and he never yeah. played first base before. Yeah. It's weird to call him a utility guy because his stick is so beyond elite that it's it's weird to call him a utility guy. But he can really play anywhere. Um, you plug him into the top of the order, he's going to get on base. Like we saw in Cleveland game one, the wild card round. Base hit to right center field off the best pitcher in the American League. Judge, it's a two-run home run. That's the kind of guy he is. He's a table setter. The thing with DJ LeMayhew is, at first, I had him commanding a little bit more money each year just because I think he knows how important he is to the Yankees. And I think the Yankees are in a situation Brian Cashman has to has to pay the guy. I think he realizes that. But at the same time, I think DJ is one of those low-maintenance guys. He's comfortable in New York. He's gone out and said that before. He said he wants to play there. I have him going back to the Yankees on a four-year deal with $80 million. I want to say that's somewhere, yeah, $20 million a year. I think that's fair to both parties. I think DJ LeMayhew probably deserves a contract better than Marcelo Zuna's just because his impact on both sides of the ball. But at the same time, like I said, DJ probably wants to go back. I think he's a low-maintenance guy. He wants to win. And say what you want about the Yankees' struggles of recent. The Yankees pose one of the best possible opportunities for him to get a ring. You know, he likes that short porch out in right field. I'm going to go with him back to the Yankees. I don't think you were going to debate anything about that. I think you have the same destination as well. No, I'm just praying that they pay him. That's all it is. I mean, there's nobody I want more on the Yankees next year out of anybody in this free agent class than LeMahieu back. I just think that he's everything Yankee fans wanted. He's a contact first player. He's a defense first player. He's not looking to swing for the fences. He's really able to hit any kind of pitch, any kind of velocity. Uh, from any kind of arm angle. He's just a guy that you want on the team. He's very low maintenance. Uh, he's a clubhouse guy, uh, but he's too good for a clubhouse guy, but he's, he's got a good uh, voice in the clubhouse. Uh, players really respect him. He really sets the tone for them. Him and Judge, I think, are their two most important position players by far. Uh, losing LeMahieu would really take a hit to them. I mean, 2019, I thought his stats weren't really MVP-like, 
But the kind of impact that he had on the team, just watching that team on a day-in and day-out basis, I thought he was an MVP candidate, legitimate. Ended up finishing fourth. Uh, he had 327 that year, 136 weighted runs created plus for the 5.4 Fangraphs war, playing three different positions. Uh, that was a year we went through a lot of injuries. He was the only real guy to stay healthy besides Glaber Torres. Last year, 170, or this past year, 177 weighted runs created plus. Probably not sustainable, but MVP type numbers there. He's an MVP finalist. I think he could win it. Probably not, but I think he definitely could. He's just the epitome of a winning baseball player. I mean, you kind of hear all old people say, you know, he's a ball player, and that's like kind of the biggest compliment you can give somebody. He just does everything right. Um, he just makes all the right plays. I definitely want him back. If he leaves the Yankees, I'll be very upset. I don't really see where else he would go. I mean, I know he said he really wanted to stay here and he really liked playing here, had his best seasons here besides that uh, one year in Colorado. I could see, you know, a team like the Mets maybe trying to make a push for him just to be annoying and just like Steve Cohen saying, hey, I'm going to really compete with you guys now. Hey, LeMay, here's $100 million. Yeah. Just doing something stupid like that. That's really the only other outcome I could see for him because I don't think Cashman's going to be outbid as long as it's like a four-year deal in the 18 to $20 million range in average annual. Continuing right along with our free agency predictions, we have Marcus Stroman, who's a very interesting guy to talk about for many reasons. And the first thing you have to talk about, the big story right now, is the qualifying offer. So Stroman came over halfway through 2019, came during the tread deadline in a really weird move for the Mets. Um, you figure in the grand scheme of things, that was going to be your Zach Wheeler replacement that never ended up replacing Zach Wheeler because – Obviously, he didn't pitch in 2020. He had the calf injury, then he opted out, which for a guy on a contract year, maybe an interesting decision. But at the same time, if there was any question that maybe Stroman was going to re-injure himself, it makes sense. I'm not going to hold that against him. Yes, I would have liked to have seen him pitch for the Mets in 2020, but qualifying offer has been extended to him. It's $18.9 million, something like that, for a year. And there's two ways to look at this. One, you have a guy in Stroman who's a free agent. Stroman's a personality, you know that. His height don't measure heart thing, you know, he thinks he's on top of the world. I'm not going to try to cross him and say that, you know, you're not good, whatever. Do whatever you want. If that makes you happy, whatever. You see him talk on Twitter all the time about how in sync he is with his mind and his mechanics and his balance and his core strength, whatever. Uh, you would think that a guy like that, especially not having pitched in 2020 and being a free agent in a bad market, you would think that it makes sense to take a one-year prove-it deal to test free agency, assuming in 2021 free agency will go back to normal, getting ready for the 2022 season. You would think that at least teams would have some money to spend. But with the qualifying offer with Stroman, I think we've talked about this uh, off-air, you know, without recording. Stroman's one of those guys I could see him just trying to test the market and get a deal because I know you're going to talk about this plenty. I don't want to steal your thunder. I know how you feel about the guy. I just see him going out there and being like, yo, it's unfair. It's bullshit that the Mets aren't going to – they are only they only give me a one-year qualifying deal or qualifying offer or whatever. I'm going to go out there and prove them wrong. And for that, I have Marcus Stroman signing with the Angels. I'm a little bit stuck here. I haven't gone to the Angels on either a three-year deal with $48 million or a two-year deal worth $36 million puts him in like the 16 to $18 million average salary with Stroman and the angels. I don't think that the angels are going to throw a big contract at Trevor Bauer. Noah said before that it seems like whatever Bauer takes, it's going to be on a short term basis. So, you know, it's not like the angels are going to be tied down to 250, $300 million of Bauer over the next eight to 10 years. But at the same time, I don't know how comfortable I feel with the angels paying, you know, three guys on their team upwards of 30, $35 million. So 
I could see them kind of panicking because they really need pitching and pivoting towards a guy like Stroman. And similarly, I joked about this with Noah. Can't you see Stroman? Like, can't wait to get out to the beaches of L.A. and play with, uh, you know, with, with Babe Ruth Jr., Anthony Rendon, the two best players in baseball. Can't wait to get at it. You know, whatever. Something stupid like that. Lead them to the playoffs, yeah. baby. 81 wins. Yeah, the Stro show is back. I just see it happening. Uh, Los Angeles, especially with a guy like Stroman, we know he's a personality. I could see him, you know, fitting with the L.A. market, the fan base. I know they're, a, they're obviously the, the little brother in Los Angeles. Uh, to me, it just makes sense. Like I said, I don't think that the Angels are really going to pay Bauer as big of a contract, and I think they're going to panic, and we've seen they're not afraid to give out contracts. So I could see them getting Stroman. Um, Noah, what do you got? I think he's going to reject the qualifying offer, and I think it's going to completely bite him in the ass because he's only going to have two or three legitimate suitors. I think whatever team doesn't get Bauer will be in on him, and I could see like the White Sox maybe getting in on it, maybe the Twins – some kind of weird team like that might be able to get on it. Maybe Seattle, if they want to spend money and they want to get one legitimate starter in there, or Texas even. I have him going back to the Mets at a two-year $28 million deal. He's going to sign it in like late February, and then he's going to complain that the whole process was BS so that the owners are colluding. Uh, that's pretty much what I feel like is going to happen with him. But um, I think he should take the qualifying offer, prove that he's a legitimate number two starter, which he, I don't think he is and he thinks that he is. Uh, prove he's a legitimate number two starter on the Mets team, get them into the postseason with the Grom when Syndergaard comes back, pitch well there, and then he's still going to be pretty young, and he'll get a four-year deal next offseason when the markets recover a little bit. That's what I think he should do. He's not going to do that. Um, so I think he's going to end up coming back to the Mets. Two years, 28 to $30 million range, less than the qualifying offer. It's going to look stupid. It's kind of what happened to Dallas Keuchel a few years ago. I kind of see him in that same realm as Keuchel in terms of quality of pitcher. These guys are – Ground ball pitchers and the advanced metrics don't really favor them. They're expected ERAs are worse than what they actually are. Um, and I think that scares teams off. I mean, you heard Brian Cashman say he'd be a reliever in 2019. Granted, I'm not sure if he would have been a reliever. That might have been a little bit of a uh, – The Cashman-Stroman relationship is just awesome, by the way. Yeah, I know. And that Stroman's, like, calling all of our pitchers out. Like, this just stuff like that. Like, well, you don't need to do that, dude. You just don't. Just – Focus on pitching. But he, he brands himself on being the guy that does do that. I hope he goes to Boston and he brands himself as Pedro Martinez. <laughs> and I'm going to be the Yankees' daddy. Like, yeah. I mean, like, you pitch in our division, we were never scared of you. Like, so I, I don't know. It, I'm not a Strowman guy. We, we detailed that. But uh, let's move on to the next Marcus, if you want to. Marcus Simeon. Marcus Simeon. Let me pull up my notes here. I was daydreaming about Marcus like, Strowman. Like, yeah. Just because, real quick, I think – I'd rather Stroman go back to the Mets than, you know, give like $12 million, like $10 million, like Odorizzi or something. I think Stroman falls between being a really good pitcher and being like a Jake Odorizzi, Jose Quintana type, especially on the deal you offer. So like a low end two, high end three. Yeah, and he's not a two. I mean, you look at his number, he's a high whip guy. He's not a high strikeout guy. He walks guys. Um, I don't think he's as good as he thinks he is, but uh, let's move on. I just want to get that in there. Marcus Simeon, he's a big bounce back candidate for us, and... I see him going to the Philadelphia Phillies on a one-year deal worth about $12 million, $14 million, whatever. Um, I think he's a guy that definitely didn't benefit from the 60-game season at all. He was a MVP finalist in the 2019 season. He had a phenomenal year. He's a very dynamic player. I could also see him going back to the athletics for uh, you know one last hurrah before he properly tests free agency. Um, definitely a big bounce-back candidate guy, and I think – the Phillies aren't going to pay Didi Gregorius. I think they're going to let him walk. Obviously, he was there for one year last year on a prove-it deal or prove-me deal that uh, he succeeded with. He played very well last year. And to plug that hole in, I see Marcus Simeon going to the Philadelphia Phillies. What do you got? I'm a big Simeon guy. Like, I've always really liked him as a player. 
2018, or sorry, 2018, he had a 3.8 Fangraphs war. He was a very solid defender. His defensive metrics have gotten better and better each year. I think that's part of playing next to Matt Chapman. Uh, that definitely does help him. But he's really improved his defense. I remember in 2015, he was kicking balls and throwing balls all over the place, and he didn't really look like he could play the position. Now he really does. Uh, 2019, he was an MVP candidate. He played all 162 games. He had a 7.6 Fangraphs war. 137 way to runs creative plus. He was basically putting up DJ LeMahieu numbers at shortstop. And just like seeing that really like gets me excited because I think he's just a great player. Um, but last year, like you said, he didn't have the same type of season. He had a 91 way to runs creative plus, just 1.2 war in 53 games. It really doesn't project to more than just being a little bit of a below average starter. Uh, so you don't really know how much he's going to get. I feel like teams are going to view him as a bounce back candidate like we do. So I have him going to the Texas Rangers at a three-year, $50 million contract, sorry, $51 million contract. I just like him as a bounce-back candidate. Texas was 30th at shortstop war last year, dead last. I think with Isaiah Kana for left foot playing really good defense at third base, I think they might be able to think that they could have a solid left side of the infield defensively, which is important with some of the pitchers that they have on that roster. I just, I don't know, like they, they've played against the A's a lot. They know how capable he is. I think he's played very well against Texas and, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I feel like whenever he'd play in that ballpark, he would be hitting home runs. I think that Texas also fits, not to cut you off, just because, you know, this is a team that kind of wants to get back to winning and start to play good baseball again. They weren't good last year. They launched a new stadium. The only team playing in their stadium in October were the teams in the National League and the World Series. Obviously, that probably disappoints them. And, you know, Todd Frazier was supposed to be that guy who was going to hit 50 home runs, 125 oh, yeah. RBIs for them last year. But, uh, like I said, similarly with the Red Sox, I feel like this is a team that's kind of desperate to start winning again. And I had Simeon kind of going on a one-year deal, but a team like Texas, it's kind of desperate to start getting these guys. I think that can make sense. Uh, and for a guy like Simeon, you know, I'm sure he's going to bet on himself just because, you know, he's had very good years in the past, like you highlighted. But at the same time, for a guy that, you know, performed the way he did last year, I think getting $17 million from the Rangers, a team that's kind of on the rise, you could say whatever, might not be a bad deal for him. But um, is there any chance you could see him going back to the Yankees? Do you think it's possible? Because you've been talking, Not back to the Yankees. Oh. Um, I don't know why I said that. Thank you for serving that out to me, though. Because I texted you that yesterday. This is like my dream free agent in a way. I mean, he's a right-handed hitter, which scares me off. But if you could get him on a one-year deal and you could get him to put up 2019-type numbers for you, I mean, he's never going to replicate that. But if he puts up five Fangraphs Ward, he's on a one-year $14 million deal. Like, that's insane value. I can see him just being angry. Like, dude, like, you know, 2020 sucked. I'm just going to go to – I don't like using the evil empire thing because the Yankees aren't that right now, but I could see him going to the most decorated franchise in baseball, potentially all of sports, and just being like, screw it. I'm going to join these guys. I'm going to play my ass off, and then I'm going to get my payday. So, like, yep. I, that might that might scare some others off, but I think that would make you happy. And I think it's certainly – I don't think it's likely to happen, but it's definitely a possibility if you have anything else to add. It proves our defense, uh, gives us another contact bat. This guy does not strike out a lot. I mean, last year he had a 21% strikeout rate. Uh, and that was his highest of his career. And that was also, or not the highest of his career, but the highest in the last four years. And that's also right about league average. In 2019, it was 13.7%, which is fantastic, and a walk rate of 11.6. And 2018, it was 18%. So this guy's not a high strikeout guy, right-handed hitter, but not a high strikeout guy, plays good defense. And those are kind of the two things I'm looking for with the Yankees players right now because you saw Tampa, like the defense that they played, and if the Yankees were able to make contact and play defense like Tampa did in the playoffs, I think it could have been a very different outcome. So he's intriguing for me, and I know the Yankees might be looking for a shortstop on a one-year deal because 
Gleyber Torres did struggle there very badly defensively this year. Now, we're not really sure what we're going to get out of him in the future. We know he's potentially a superstar. I mean, that's what he had played in 2019, and he's got that type of bat and that type of talent. Uh, but he did struggle defensively. The Yankees are a win-now team. They might opt to go off for a shortstop. So if they can do that, that'd be great. I think Simmons is probably more likely. I know we'll probably talk about him a little bit later. I think a guy like Andrelton Simmons or somebody else on the low end is more likely than Simeon. But um, I'd definitely explore it if I was Brian Cashman. Right. So next guy we're going to go into is – you have Michael Brantley on your list next. I, I think I'm going to mess up the format at some point. I don't know if it's him or Andrelton Simmons. you got to check for me. Oh, um, it doesn't we, – we can do Brantley. It doesn't, it doesn't, All right, the, yeah. list, the, the order doesn't matter. Yeah, no, so – Michael Brantley, another guy we talked about with Marcelo Zuna. You could plug him out in the corner outfield. He's not going to play great defense out in left field. He's getting a little bit older. Uh, throughout his career, he's been injured, but he's kind of he's been able to right that ship a bit as of recent. Um, you know the bat you're going to get with him. Uh, very good left-handed bat, a professional hitter. He's a guy you can expect in a big spot to poke a base hit, score a run, you know, hit a ball in the gap. I had Marcelo Zuna leaving the Braves and going to the Nationals. So at this deal, I have Marcelo's or Michael Brantley, excuse me, going to the Atlanta Braves on a two-year deal uh, worth $30 million. And I think that, you know, the Braves are going to miss out on Marcelo Zuna's bat just because of how good he was. He was a huge part of their success this year, uh, arguably a team that should have been at least playing in the World Series. But I could kind of see the the Braves opting to pay a guy, you know, a professional hitter, um, to a smaller contract than Ozuna, plug him out in the outfield, get him some at bats, and then save some of that money to uh, revamp their starting pitching a little bit, just so, because like a better version of Nick Markakis. A better, a better version of Nick Markakis. He will. Uh, Nick Markakis will be an Atlanta Brave until the day he dies. Him and uh, Enter and Ciarte are the guys. Oh my God, that imagine are, that outfit. They're like the same yeah, players. Like yeah. Brant, it's like Brantley's like the the best version of it. And yeah. then Markakis. It's, it's from order left center. Right? Yeah, yeah, it's funny. But, yeah, but really, uh, I, I don't I don't think it's a bad fit at all. If they lose Ozuna, I could definitely see that. We basically just had this flip flop. Yeah. I had Brantley going to the Nationals in a two year twenty four million dollar deal. The more I think about it, he's pretty similar to Eaton, and he'd be hitting with Soto. It's a lot of left handed bats at the top of your order. At the same time, a lot of power righties in baseball right now. I don't think it's a bad thing to have a lot of left handed contact bats. Uh, so I think Brantley I, Brantley played really well against the Nationals in the World Series. It's kind of stupid to use this as reasoning. But watching that Astros-Nationals uh, World Series in 2019, I feel like he was the Astros' toughest out when it came to facing like quality right-handed pitchers like Scherzer and Strasburg. I think the Nationals definitely noticed that. And, um, you know, that's a big ballpark where he can utilize the gaps. I think it really does fit his swing a little bit. He's not going to be crushing balls. He's not this big-time power bat. Um, but you can kind of hide him in left field with Soto. If there's DH, you can kind of split them up. Uh, you have Victor Robles in center to cover a lot of ground, so I don't really think they'd be too, too worried about the defense. Uh, it would be interesting to see how the parts would move, but I think the Nationals are looking for a hitter. They're looking for another outfielder, uh, so I had him going there. All right, who's the next guy you want to jump into just because I don't want to uh, – Yeah, we're going through well all these guys. Yeah. Uh, we could just talk about this guy really quickly, uh, Sayang Kim. Have fun talking about that one, man. Yeah, he's a, he's an international free agent. He's the best international free agent this year. He's a shortstop. Uh, he was very good in the Korean League last year, 147. I waited Reds created plus. From all accounts, will hit for power in the big leagues. I don't really know too much else about him beyond that, but just know that he is going to be posted and he will be a big leaguer next year. Uh, another shortstop. I haven't gone to the Reds just because the Reds were 29th at shortstop war last year. Uh, so I pretty much just looked at, the teams that needed shortstops and I'm kind of just dishing out the shortstops and them. Right. So like Texas was really weak with shortstops, give them Simeon. Uh, the Reds were very weak. We give them Kim. We can kind of like play with that. Um, I don't know if you had a destination for him, but I felt like we could just mention him. Nah, yeah, I, I have no destination for him to be honest with you, but uh, for the reasons you laid out, it makes sense. 
We're going to move on here. I have Andrew Elton Simmons, a guy we mentioned uh, a couple minutes ago. And another one of those teams that's kind of been talking about improving their middle infield, uh, the shortstop spot, Miami Marlins. I have him going there. Uh, Two-year deal, $18 million. Um, I just – I don't know why, but I could see Don Mattingly really liking this guy. Uh, he's a guy who's going to hit for a decent average, you know, normally in your 265 to 280, 290 range. Uh, he walks a decent amount. He doesn't hit home runs. He has no pop. He plays good defense. Uh, been one of the premier shortstop, uh, defensive shortstops in baseball for a long time now. And I don't know why I just see like Don Mattingly like liking him just for his you know like kind of his it's old school ball. style of baseball. He fields ground balls. He doesn't. He's not flashy. He he's ground balls. unlike unlike um, I'm trying to think of other guys who don't field ground balls. Like let's say Miguel Andujar. <laughs> uh, no, he he fields ground balls the right Still. way is what I want to say. He's he's a you know a stripped down basic baseball player when it comes to it. You know he hits for average, a decent average at least. He's going to impact winning. He's going to be a good veteran in the clubhouse, especially for a young Miami Marlins team. Um, that fit just kind of makes sense to me. What do you have? Big fan of him. Uh, hope he's a Yankee. If not, Simeon, you know, I hope we do sign one of these shortstops. I'm kind of holding out hope that he'll be here on a one-year deal. Miami, another team that we talked about looking at shortstops. I thought about him as a potential fit there. I actually went with Toronto Blue Jays. Saw they might be looking for a shortstop uh, to kind of move around the infield. They could kind of help overshadow a little bit. They'd have a lot of infield flexibility. I have him going to Toronto one year, $10 million. Um, This isn't really set in stone. It's kind of more just a gut feeling for me. I feel like Toronto investigated that a few years ago. Remember when he was on the Braves and he was a trade rumors? I think Toronto was in on those conversations. Uh, so I, I think there's still some ties there. 99 Wayne Runs created plus last year, pretty much an average offensive player, but he did hit 297, did walk at 6% rate. The year before that, walked at a 6% rate. The year before that, walked at a 6% rate. So you pretty much know what you're getting with him. He does not strike out. Uh, 5.4 war in 2018. He had a very good year then. He's going to hit for high average. He's going to walk a little bit. He's going to be a pesky out. He's going to play tremendous defense. I mean, he's really paying Hall of Fame level defense at shortstop. Um, I think he's probably worth more than one year, $10 million. Like if I'm the Yankees or any of these teams that needs a shortstop, I'd be comfortable giving him two years because I don't think his skills are going to deteriorate at all. I think if anything, he's just going to stay pretty consistent. He kind of reminds me of Mayhew in that way a little bit. Um, He's still not old. He's still a fairly young player of 31. Yeah. So, I mean, I think, you know, being 31, giving out a two-year deal is not the worst thing. So I, I could definitely see him getting two years. I have him at one just because of what the market is, but I could be wrong on that. There's no real inside information there. So I said Toronto, but definitely a lot of suitors. Um, we got one more shortstop to do. Yep. I feel like I should leave this one off. This is my boy, Didi Gregorius, uh, former New York Yankee. Definitely one of my favorite Yankees over the last five to six years. I have him going to the Miami Marlins, and this was a destination that – I mean, like, it hasn't really been rumored. I thought I was kind of going out on a limb until Tyler started telling me how he saw the Marlins were looking for shortstops, too. I kind of just thought this because, one, there's a ton of New York Yankees connections in the Miami Marlins organization. A lot of the scouting people have since gone to the Miami Marlins from the Yankees. Derek Jeter hired them over. And then, obviously, there's Derek Jeter. I think it would just be kind of a fun fit, you know, with Didi being the successor, if you will, to Jeter in, at shortstop in New York. Having him bounce over to Miami and man the middle infield on a team with a lot of young players who plays the game the right way. They're frisky. You know, they've got Jazz Chisholm there. You can kind of mentor him a little bit. I think DD's got enough flexibility to move over to third and move over to second if he ever needed to. I think it'll take three years to get it done for DD to go to Miami. I could see him taking higher average annual value, betting on himself again, the one year, two year deal with one of these shortstop maybe teams. Uh, but I think if Jeter gives him three years, he'll go there. And um, like you said about Mattingly, he's just another kind of one of those 
old school type players who, you know, is very good off the field. He's very good in the clubhouse. You know, he's going to be responsible and a leader in that team. And uh, I think just for $12 million a year, getting a guy like that is a pretty good deal. So I have him in Miami. Yeah, so I'm going to have him going to the Cincinnati Reds. There's a team you mentioned, um, one of the worst teams in shortstop ward last year. This is a team that also struggled to get, you know, not only that big hit, but just big hits in general last year. I think Didi's got a proven stick. Uh, played really well last year in Philadelphia. I haven't gone to Cincinnati Reds on a similar deal, three years worth. Um, what is that? Hold on. For, yeah, $42 million, something like $13, 14000000 million a year. Um, I think he's a very good shortstop, and I think he could definitely help out that Cincinnati team. He plays good defense. He's going to help them with the bat. Um, I think this is a team that's going to probably try to add offense, especially considering what they did last year. And of these – Shortstop, we've talked about Marcus Simeon's an interesting situation just because are you going to get 2019 Simeon? Are you going to get 2020 Simeon? You don't really know. I think Didi's probably the most – you talk about Simmons with his with his bat. You know, he's only going to do so much, but you know you're going to get with the glove. I think Didi's probably the best offensive player out of them, or at least you know he's going to perform at a pretty high level. So I could see him going to Cincinnati. Well, he's not better defensively than Simmons. No, no, no. I see just with his bat. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah, I think yeah. the combination of – he's a good enough glove to where his bat's probably worth it over a guy like that I, for I, a team that needs offense. Um Next guy we're going to move into, you can talk about this if you want. This was your note. I really have nothing to change. Kevin Gosman, uh, you have him accepting the qualifying offer from San Francisco. If you want to talk a bit about that, why don't you go for it? I, I don't mean, think we're going to take 10 minutes to talk about Kevin Gosman. But. Look, young arm, uh, a lot of potential with the Orioles. Never really panned out there. He went to a big ballpark in the West Coast, and he played very well for the Giants last year. He was in trade talks at the deadline. Um I think there's a lot of upside with him, and clearly the Giants feel the same way because they're given a somewhat unproven arm, $19 million. I think he's going to take it uh, just because he had some uh, injury issues at the end of the year last year. In this market, I'm not sure he's getting more than $19 million a year, you know, definitely not in a long-term contract. So I think he's going to take that deal. Uh, not too much to add on that. I think the Giants are finally starting to show willingness to spend again, which is good because they're a pretty big market team. And uh, you want them to be able to compete with teams like the Dodgers and the National League. Probably the best team in the last decade, honestly. It sounds Remember weird to Sox, say, but yeah, right. like uh, World Series in 10, 12, 14, I want to say a NL – DS appearance, they beat the Mets in 2016. I mean, it's weird to think that since then they really haven't been a great team, even though they were in that wild card hunt in 2019. But I mean, the San Francisco Giants are, I guess you could say, a big time team, as weird as that is to say. But uh, they're probably one of the six biggest franchises in the sport. Yeah. I mean, it's the Yankees, Dodgers, Red Sox, Cardinals, Cubs. Those are probably the top five. An asterisk next to the East Coast Dodgers, New York Mets, who we're going to talk about. They're literally it's, they're in that next year yeah. with like the Mets and maybe yeah. Anaheim. Uh, Oakland's won a lot of championships. Obviously not with the, the payroll. Right. They're not in that, yeah. that, uh, that light. But they're certainly accomplished, and they have pretty set, set culture there. Uh, Farhan Zaidi's definitely got them on the right path. So uh, we'll, we'll move on there. The next guy we have is Tanaka. I don't see him signing anywhere else in the baseball than other with the Yankees unless he's going back to the Korean League. There were some rumors of that. I think he still wants to pitch here. I think he wants to win a World Series. That was kind of the main reason he came over here. Um, the Yankees will take care of him. He's done a great job for them his whole career. Uh, been a great guy just to have on the team. He's very consistent, usually healthy, uh, despite having the problems with the UCL. He's been able to pitch and pitch effectively, kind of reinvent the way he's pitched. The Yankees will take care of him. I think it's going to be a two-year, $30 million deal with a vesting option for the third year, kind of similar to what Jay Happ signed uh, with the Yankees two off seasons ago. I think uh, Tanaka in a much higher light than Jay Happ. I think most teams probably would. Uh, but Tanaka's stuff has deteriorated over the last few years. I don't think a lot of teams are really going to make serious plays for him because I think everybody kind of sees him as a Yankee or nothing. 
Uh, so I think two years, 30 million is a pretty good number, maybe a little bit more of a bump. Third year would be pushing it. I'm not sure guaranteed if Cashman would do that. I think a vesting option would be a lot uh, safer, you know, with still with some of the lingering arm issues that he does have uh, because you don't want to pay him three years to be recovering from Tommy John surgery. So. Right. I have nothing to add to talk. I mean, yeah. that's just that's kind of it makes too much sense. The everybody, guy, yeah, that could happen very yeah. soon in the offseason. That could happen next week. He came from Japan. He's a again a low maintenance guy. He just wants to pitch. He's comfortable there. I don't think a guy like Tanaka, especially at this stage in his career, he's been a Yankee his entire time in America. I don't think he decides to pack it up and you know go somewhere else, fly across the country, pitch for you know a team like the Angels that needs pitching. I think he's comfortable in New York. That's the bottom line. Uh, the next guy is a pretty interesting one. We have Charlie Morton. He was. You know, prior to his start in the World Series against Walker Bueller, he was as good a postseason World Series pitcher as we've seen in a long time. Um, and the numbers certainly backed that up. He's like a 2-5 ERA guy in the postseason. And he kind of flopped against Walker Bueller, to put it lightly. And he's a guy that I think he went on the record saying um, he either goes back to Tampa Bay or he retires. That was a quote from him. I believe Tampa Bay um rejected his team option or something if i'm not mistaken so right now he's a free agent and there's always a possibility he goes back to tampa maybe they didn't want to pay him what he was getting paid before uh, you and i both have this just because um with this group of starting pitchers you know other guys we'll talk about very briefly charlie morton to the mets kind of makes sense to me a proven guy a veteran uh i like it more it's not a it's not a veteran rick porcello type deal i think morton saw something left in the tank whereas i was never high on porcello I could just see it happening if the Mets want to give him a little more money at one year. It doesn't seem like this guy wants to pitch for another three, four years, and I don't think a team's going to give him this kind of money at this stage in his career. I could see the Mets giving him something like $12, 13000000 million, and it's pretty simple. What about you? Yeah, I think it's going to come down to the Mets in Tampa. I don't think he wants to pitch for the Yankees, and it's pretty much been said that he wants to pitch for an East Coast team. So I, and he's not going to go back to Philly. So I, I really think you're looking at Mets or Rays. Tampa did not make him the qualifying offer. It pretty much shows me. I don't really think they're going to go more than one year, $10 million for him. I just don't know if that's in their budget. So I think if the Mets say here's 13 million and you know they give him a sizable difference in contract for next year, he'll say screw it. The Mets could probably come out of the National League if a lot of things vote well. Uh, so I'll go pitch for them. I'll be their third starter in the postseason. You know when uh, Syndergaard comes back, I can slot into that role. Uh, there's two power righties ahead of me, just like the situation I've had uh, in Houston with Garrett Cole Good and call. Orlander right. uh, last year. Obviously having Glass now there too. Um, I think that's more of a role that he's comfortable in rather than being the ace of the staff, um, and he would never be expected to do that. So I have him in the Mets too. I could also see Tampa. If not, I think he's just going to retire, but I think he's got too much left in the tank to retire. I think there's going to be a lot of teams calling him, and he's going to realize that he should keep pitching until he really can't. Uh, so we both have the Mets, but um, I, I really don't see anything else being yeah. possible for him other than that in Tampa. For sure. Uh, next guy I have on here is Jake Odorizzi. Uh, he's one of those guys you also kind of know what you're going to get when you sign him. I have him going to the Atlanta Braves on a one-year deal worth about $12 million. Uh, you could fight over the um, the salary. I just think that this is a Braves team that's going to kind of want to get at least a veteran arm, a guy who's going to you know be able to lock down the back end of that rotation. The Braves had a lot of injuries in the rotation, a lot of problems, and they ended up pitching really well in the postseason. You have a young staff there. You have guys like Soroka hoping to come back strong from the Achilles injury. Uh, you know, freed all these guys. I see them getting one of these pitchers off the market, and it's that simple. I'm not going to go in-depth on him. What about you? I, I assume uh, you have just some – one of those similar teams. Yeah, I have, the, I have the White Sox. I think the Braves do make a lot of sense, though. I think the Mets could be in play here, too. Um, I, th- I think he's all right. I think he's a, the definition of a decent third starter, and he's kind of an innings eater. Um, 
he might be better than we give him credit for. I, I just I don't think there's a huge ceiling with him, but there's also not really. It's a pretty high floor, low ceiling guy. I think the White Sox at one year, $12 million makes a lot of sense. It's very similar to what they get out of Keuchel. Uh, you plug him in behind – I mean, because you're going to have Giolito, you know what you're getting. You're going to have Keuchel, you know what you're getting. But then you have Kopech coming back. You don't really know what you're getting with him. And they've also got some still young arms like a Dylan Cease type. So I think they might want to get one more veteran type in there. So I think Odorizzi makes a lot of sense. I could also see them playing in the James Paxton pool, um, you know, who's going to be pitching on a one-year deal likely. And Jose Quintana is going to be out there, another kind of middle – starter that we're talking about. So I think the White Sox are going to get in on those conversations. Uh, ultimately, I think Rizzi goes there, but uh, it's it's all open-ended. Yeah, just we want to breeze through some of these guys. You mentioned James Paxton. I have him going to the Chicago White Sox. Again, I'm not going to do the deep dive, in, deep dive into James Paxton. We saw, we saw flashes of like an awesome version of James Paxton, like a true number two with the Yankees. And then we saw plenty of times where he had these first-inning woes where, you know, sometimes he couldn't get out of the first inning with New York. Um I see him going to the Chicago White Sox. Noah just laid out the reasons. I'm not going to repeat them. Um, it's having, like again, like that one-year, $12 million type deal. He can potentially get a little bit more, but um, I think he makes sense for Chicago. Why don't you talk about him a little bit more in depth? Yeah, I mean, 4.4, 3.7, 3.5. Those were his last three wars before 2020. This year was a complete lost season for him. He battled injury from start number one. I remember I was at your house watching his first start. Uh, it was me, you, and Shane. We were watching the Yanks Nationals, right. and uh, he was throwing like 91 miles yeah. an hour. Yep. He couldn't gotcha. get out of the second inning, I think, or the first inning. Um, and he really never got going. I, I'm a big Paxton fan of when he's healthy. I think he is a low-end two, very high-end three type guy. Like, I think he's better than Stroman when he's right. I, I'd rather have Paxton than Stroman. He's straight. I mean, I, Paxton, at, towards the end of 2019, was our number one starter. And he was, I think he was like 8-0 when he was striking out 13, uh, 13 Ks per nine. He was that type of guy. I mean, 2019, he had 11 strikeouts per nine with the Yanks. year before that, 12 strikeouts per nine. He's got really high-end stuff, a very high-ceiling guy. He also was a low floor, kind of the opposite of Odorizzi. He's not really that safe. Um, I have Paxton going to Houston just because I think it would just be a complete pain in the ass for the American League. If and for gets, when the Yankees played him in the LCS yes, and he got yes. eight innings, one hit, zero runs. Yes, they're going to figure something out with him. He's magically going to stay healthy for the first time in his career, and he's going to pitch, and that's going to be the most ultimate great value deal of all time. Yep. Next guy we're going to go into, Jock Peterson. And um, I'm not a huge fan of Jock Peterson's. I feel like he had first he had a half good season in 2015, you know, the home run derby, whatever. And then all of a sudden, he just looks like he's beyond frustrated when he plays baseball. He strikes out, he looks angry. He pops out, he looks angry. Uh, you describe him as a thumper that you could plug into a lineup. He's going to impact a lineup to a certain degree just because he has that potential to hit the ball out of the ballpark to left, center, right field. I haven't gone to the Chicago White Sox, two-year, $20 million deal. Uh, I just think it makes sense. I could totally see him playing in Chicago in that black and white uniform and just plugging him out into the outfield as a lefty bat. Yeah, I have the same kind of deal for him. I could see the Dodgers maybe resigning him if nothing else transpires with this market. I think they're done with him. Yeah, honestly. I don't know. I mean, like, it, he's the thing with him is that he's really good in the playoffs. He always puts up good at-bats against quality right-handed pitchers. I actually think there's some intrigue for the Yankees and other guy there. I mean, you like, talked about him last year, I remember. Yeah, because, yeah, like, you could play him against these right-handed power arms, and he's going to give you good at-bats, and the Yankees couldn't get that against Tampa Bay. So I think he makes sense for some teams like that. But I have him White Sox, too. He's a thumper. He, he's very similar to Nomar Rosaro, who they traded for last offseason. I see that as a good spot for him. Next guy we're going to talk about, jump into our first bullpen arm, if I'm not mistaken, Liam Hendricks. One of the best relievers in baseball, and I think that's pretty obvious. He's been really good with the Oakland Athletics. I see him going to the Phillies, and I said this earlier on the pod. 
This is a team that is in desperate need of relief help. I think someone told me a stat on the baseball radio show we did here. It was a really alarming stat, like a, you know, like this team blew. Or the Phillies, I think, led in the eighth inning more than any other team in X amount of time, and their bullpen just blew it. I think it was 50 of their games. They were up by like two or three runs past the seventh, eighth inning, and their bullpen just coughed it away. And we've seen the Phillies are a team that we know when they have a gaping hole or they have a problem, they're going to fix it. And a lot of times they're going to fix it with one of the top end guys in free agency. Obviously in the outfield, they did it with Bryce Harper. Um, They did it with Zach Wheeler last year. And I think this just makes sense. I haven't gone to the Phillies. Uh, I think this was yours also. I don't want to, you know, take the words out of your mouth, three year, $30 million deal. And I think you know what you're getting with him. Yeah. I had the same contract, same team, same explanation. I don't really need to add too much else other than that. That was their biggest weakness. I think Girardi likes him. I feel like Girardi said something. I, when the Yankees played the Athletics in the wildcard game in 2018, Girardi was like an analyst before the game, and he was talking about it. And I remember him just being very confident in Hendrick, saying, like, this guy was great for them down the stretch. Girardi likes those types of right-handed power arms in the bullpen who can give him a lot of flexibility. He can also open games, potentially. He can pitch in the eighth inning. He can close. In this case, he'd be closing. Um, I don't see Oakland retaining him just because – Oakland kind of does this thing where they find relief arms like that, and then they end up signing big contracts somewhere else. Uh, and I kind of see him falling into the same same light. Um, so I, I like Hendricks a lot. I think any team that needs bullpen help should be after him. Uh, good kid. You know, I've heard him in interviews and stuff. He's a good guy. Clubhouse guy. For yeah, sure. sir. I think he is a clubhouse guy. I mean, yeah. he's probably too good, but, like, he's definitely yeah. one of those guys right. on, like, a, a championship team. Where, like, And Liam Hendricks was the glue of this team. You know, like, you're just going to hear something like that. So uh, I think good good move for the Phillies. Um, now you just wanted to go through, we have like five or six more guys that we think could get one year deals, just kind of go rapid fire. Yeah. A real quick guy we have to mention uh, before we start this, Justin Turner. It's oh, just because well, that's, that kind he's, he's going to go back to the Dodgers. It seems like one of those situations where he found his home in Los Angeles. People talk about how dumb the Mets were for letting him walk, but he was like a, he was, I have the numbers up here. He was like a 0.4 war guy with the Mets. He hit 260 to 280. Uh, he he walked. He didn't hit for power. I don't. People are always like, "How dumb are the Mets?" It's, a guy like this, he automatically goes to the Dodgers. Becomes his WAR is F WAR three four three nine five zero five four four two, just like that. I mean, it's it's whatever. You don't predict that. I don't like when people talk about how dumb a move that was. Phenomenal player. Um, he's one of those bats when the Mets face him and when they face him in the 2015 NLDS, where I was like, "This is the guy I do not want to be up." Just a professional hitter. Expect him to be big time in the postseason. Going back to the Dodgers on, you know, like a two-year, $30 million deal is what I see, something like that. I don't think anyone is really going to debate that. I think he's going to stay there for sure. Yeah, I think it'd be a huge mistake for them to let him go. Um, we obviously know he probably wasn't the most responsible for them, and you know, with the COVID And that situation. got totally swept under the rug. Yeah, it, it, now, I haven't heard anything about it now. Nothing. And but, an awful look for baseball. Yeah, I don't even know if he still had if that was true. I don't know. But uh, he was always very good for the Dodgers in the postseason. One of the guys that definitely should want to keep in the middle of the order. He was still hitting third for them this year for most of the season. So I don't think it's kind of similar to Tanaka in a lot of ways for me. Like just a guy you trust in the playoffs on your team. You don't really see him playing anywhere else. I think the Dodgers find a way to take care of him. Um, so, yeah, I don't have too much else to add there. But the next five guys or six guys, we all anticipate getting one to probably two-year deals at the max. So we've got Jose Quintana, Jackie Bradley Jr., Nelson Cruz, Brad Hand, Colton Wong, and Blake Trinan. I'll start with Quintana. I think Quintana goes to the Yankees. This is like my last Yankees signing. So I know I've brought up the Yankees with a lot of people in this this episode, but I only have them signing LeMahieu and Strom. And sorry, it's not, that's not, 
Look, you said no, what? Lemayhu and Tanaka. Lemayhu and Tanaka. Not Tanaka. This man talked shit about Stroman this entire time he's going to the Yankees. Dude, it's because that Stroman and Lemayhu are next to each other. No, I said Marcus Simeon's going back to the Yankees because you were talking about them before. It's okay. We all fuck up. Don't so worry. I think the Yankees make a trade for a pitcher. I think they really need to add two pitchers from outside the organization if they're not going to re-sign Paxton. Um, so I think Katana fits into the bill of one of them. This is a guy the Yankees tried to trade for in 2016. They tried to trade for him in 2017. He was a very good player for the White Sox. He was their number two starter behind Sale. Goes to the National League, is not the same guy. Uh, he was decent in 2019, but pretty bad in 2018. Nothing near this year. He was in the bullpen, I think, for them at the end of it, actually. So I think the Yankees, this is kind of a Brian Cashman reclamation project where you try to find value in a starter, or he could maybe be your third starter in a postseason series and you're playing him one year, $10 million. I think he's still got enough ability. I, I, I feel like a lot of good players have kind of went to the Cubs and gotten worse lately. Um, maybe you bring him back to the American League, which is weird because it's usually harder to succeed in the American League. But maybe you bring him back to the American League, gets a little bit of that 2016-2017 form back, and um, he fits in with the Yankees rotation. It gives them another left-handed arm that they don't really have um, other than Jordan Montgomery. So yep. I have uh, I have Katana the Yanks. Yeah, I have Katana going to the Houston Astros. And you kind of talked about with Paxson, you could see him going to the Houston Astros and all of a sudden they Charlie Morton him, they Justin Verlander him, they Garrett Cole him where he turns into an absolute stud again. Or stud, you know, you should say. Jose Quintana's only 31 years old. It seems like he's been around for so long just because we're talking about this in between segments. He was – a very good pitcher with the Chicago White Sox in the uh, the mid-2010s. I could see him going to the Astros with one of those one-year $12 million deals. Interesting rotation now. Obviously, Verlander is most likely not going to pitch in 2021 at the Tommy John surgery. You have Granke, Lance McCullers, these guys. I could see them trying to plug Quintana in there just as a, uh, you know, just add some stability to the rotation. Um, next guy I'm going to move on to, unless you have anything else to say about Jose Quintana, I have Jackie Bradley Jr. going to the Astros. I could see them plugging him out in center field to replace George Springer. Uh, we know he plays very good defense. Anything you can get out of his bat at this point is, you know, something you're going to take. He hit well towards um, the end of the year, yeah, too. Yeah, so I think that he's one of those guys, again, you know, it happens in Houston all the time. They all, just, all of a sudden bounce back. They become these high-caliber players. But I think for a team that's going to really value having uh, outfield defense out in center, especially losing Springer, I see Jackie Bradley Jr. going there. What about you? I think he ends up in the other – team in Texas with the Texas Rangers. I mentioned them wanting to have a good defense. I think that's definitely going to be a point of emphasis for them. I think if you add Simeon and Bradley to that team, it just gives them two more professional-type players who you kind of trust in the playoff series. Um, it's going to be weird not seeing Bradley in Boston. I actually wouldn't completely rule him out going back there. I know most Boston people like Jared Carabas and uh, Ian Brown and Pete Abraham, all the guys you read, have pretty much indicated that he's not going to be returning. But I think Heim Bloom realizes that he's still a solid player and, um, you know, he was good in the postseason for them in that 2018 run. The fan base likes him. Great defense out in center field. I think him going to one of these new, young, kind of up-and-coming teams that wants to compete makes a lot of sense. Um, so I have him going to Texas, but I could also see Houston uh, replacing Springer. That makes sense. And also a National League team with a big ballpark uh, would also make a lot of sense, too. Yep. Next guy we're going to go into, DH, Nelson Cruz. This dude is one of the seven winners of the world because as he gets older, it seems like he hits more home runs, drives in more runners. Um, I, this guy's phenomenal. I think he goes to the Minnesota Twins one year, $15 million deal. Uh, I honestly don't think I changed that from what you said. I think you had the same thing. Yeah. If you want to talk about that, go for it. Otherwise, um, I think there's no discussion to be had. Nah, it's, it's just the standard kind of contract that you pay for a player who's really good, but he's only going to sign one year deals basically because yeah. he's over 40 years old. Um, I don't really see that many teams being suitors for him. You kind of have to look towards win now teams. 
and the Twins fit the win-now build. He's had very good seasons there. He said he wants to return to the Twins. I don't see why they wouldn't resign him to a one-year deal. It's similar to Justin Turner and Tanaka, like these deals that we think could get done pretty soon because we just don't see them on other teams. Uh, so I have him going back to the Twins too. Um, next guy, Brad Hand. I think you stole this one from me. I had him going to the Mets. I wanted to give the Mets one more relief signing. I could see him going to Philly if they don't get Hendricks too. I just think that the Mets are going to end up adding at least $50 million in payroll this offseason. Not total, but just for this year, for like average annual value. Total, they'll probably add, you know, 200 something. And I think Brad Hand serves a need for them where you have a left-handed reliever who you can kind of pair with Diaz and you trust him because Dellen wasn't very trustworthy for you guys last year. I know we were happy about that. You know, we liked that signing at the time, uh, but he might be more of a seventh inning guy at this point. Get a reliable eighth inning guy in with Diaz, or also you can make him the closer and put Diaz back in the eighth inning role. Right, because Diaz was so much better there. Yeah, so, I mean, you could kind of have a lot of flexibility there. He's got experience both in the setup and the closer role. Left-handed pitcher, big ballpark at City Field. I think it makes a lot of sense. Yeah, and Brad Hand's been really good his entire career. Again, a lot of these contracts, we have uh, we had the same team, same deal. I just figured it's probably not worth fighting over. I think it's a good fit. Uh, going into the season, again, Mets fans, I don't want to talk about it too much. They want to get a bat. They want to help the starting pitching. But I think they still need one more arm in that bullpen just to kind of solidify that area. Mets bullpen was pretty good last year at times. Obviously, Seth Lugo having to go start because of the injuries we had in the rotation hurt. Uh, assuming you get – potentially you get him back in, depending on what they do with the rotation works. I think they could also attract right hand one, you know, the ownership thing. They're a team that's ready to win now. You could even throw him a couple million dollars extra uh, just to take the highest salary he can get possible. Uh, Brad Hand, same thing. I'm going to the Mets. I'd watch Houston and L.A. here, though. I do want to throw those teams yeah. out there. I think L.A.'s a good fit. I think the Dodgers, we still saw them struggle with their bullpen a little bit towards the end of the postseason. They were able to overcome it. Um, getting somebody more reliable than Blake Trinan, who we will talk about, would be you know a fit for them. He's a left-handed arm. The Dodgers have all these kind of right-handed arms that they recycle every year, like Pedro Baez, Dylan Floro, Ryan Madsen. We've kind of seen these same kind of versions of guys. I think if they went out and they got a left-handed pitcher like Brad Hand, they kind of matched him there. I can also see San Diego, too. They've been investing resources into relievers. Brad Hand had his best years when he was pitching in Petco Park. Um, there's going to be a lot of teams competitive, uh, competing for his services. We both have the Mets. We could also see Philadelphia. We could see L.A. There's a bunch of teams that are going to be competing for him because every team could use bullpen help. Yeah, you're going to see it. Just a common theme of this episode in general. A lot of these guys – there's a lot of guys who are similar to other guys we're talking about, and there's a group of teams that we see fitting. So, you know, we have Brad Hand going to the Mets. We could see him going to the Phillies, which means that a guy like Liam Hendricks goes to the Dodgers, something like that, whatever. But, um, yeah, Brad Hand I see going to the Mets, but obviously the suitors that you mentioned are also good spots for him. Infielder Colton Wong, this is not mine. I just have this on my list to read out. Noah, I'll let you talk about it if you want. You have Colton Wong going to the Braves on a one-year deal worth $8 million. A little surprising to see him leave St. Louis. Why don't you talk about that? To be honest, I don't know why I put him on Atlanta because I'm just thinking about how they have Ozzy Albies and Dansby Swanson. They could move him around. They could use him as a utility infielder. I'm not really sure why St. Louis got rid of him because he was very good for them last year and he's been good for them his whole career. I don't know. I mean, I kind of just threw him in a random team. I could see a team like the Red Sox maybe going out and getting Colton Wong. They didn't get a lot of second base last year. If the Yankees want to play Torres at shortstop or if something happens with the Mayu, God forbid, or they just want another infielder up the middle, I could see the Yankees being in on this. I could see a team like the Angels maybe trying to get another infielder up the middle. Uh, he, he'll probably have a lot of suitors, too. It's kind of hard to predict where these lower-level guys will end up because every team could use their services. You don't really know which teams are going to be looking for what, what they're going to prioritize. Uh, so uh, the Braves are a National League fit. I mean, Nationals might make sense, too. I mean, you could kind of 
you could probably give me 10 to 12 teams for Colton Wong, and I'd say, yeah, that makes yeah. sense. Yep. Next guy on the list, Blake Trinan. Again, same fit for us here. I talked about it a little bit earlier with paying a guy, um, you know, like a bat like Springer. I don't think the Red Sox are necessarily going to be patient. I know Hein Bloom obviously is a very good executive. You got to trust he knows what he's doing. We have him going to the Boston Red Sox on a one year, $8 million deal. This team struggled to pitch. It's as simple as that. They had a miserable year. I think that makes sense. And uh, I'm just going to blend in the last two guys I have on my list and a little throw in. I have Corey Kluber on uh, signing a one-year deal with the Blue Jays, but the more I think about it, I could also see him going to Boston. I think Boston's going to try to pay a pitcher, whether that's getting help in the rotation or the or the bullpen or even both. Houston. Um, Houston's another one Give of those guys. Give him and Kluber and, and Katana. And then win the World Series. Yeah. But, um, no, Kluber's one of those guys really weird, you know, Cy Young winner, uh, past few years he's been beat up. I think his last year in Cleveland he wasn't great. Uh, he's been struggling with injury problems. He went down to Texas on a one-year deal or he was traded, and I think he pitched, what, like one inning, got hurt, and then never pitched the rest of the season, something like that. Um, I think people are going to forget that he's one of the best pitchers in baseball when he's right, and I think it's pretty obvious just based on what he did in Cleveland. Uh, I see him going to the Blue Jays or the Red Sox. One of these teams is just going to want to pay a pitcher. Uh, both of them make sense. If you want to talk about Trinan or Kluber before we wrap up, go for it. I've got Kluber to the Padres. I think the Padres tried to trade for him a couple years ago. They've had a lot of Indians links in that organization. Josh Naylor trade the, with Francisco and Francisco Mejia trade. They've just got a lot of uh, – with Brad Hand, obviously, Mike Clevenger too. It's a lot of parity within those organizations. They tried to trade for him a few years ago. Gives them a veteran in that rotation. You know, Clevenger is their most veteran type, you know, with Lamette and Paddock. Um, I think pitching in a big ballpark, I feel like I've heard before a lot of pitchers used to say, I'm going to San Diego to go have a bounce back year if I if I struggle. You saw Garrett Richards trying to do that because um, it's a big ballpark and it's a young team. He can blend in over there. The media is not going to be overly tough on him. He's kind of just going to be able to go pitch every five days. Um, I can see Jay Happ doing that too, but we don't really need to talk about Jay Happ. Right. Um, so I have Kluber to the Padres. As far as Trinan goes, I said Red Sox just because they traded Brandon Workman last year, and I think they're going to want to at least replace somebody in that bullpen. And, you know, you can kind of throw a bunch of different guys in who are out there, maybe even Kirby Yates for them too. Uh, Trevor Rosenthal is a free agent. I, can, I just think the Red Sox will add some sort of relief help. So I gave them Trinan. That was also kind of because I don't like Blake Trinan, and I like bouncing him on this podcast, so I'm hoping he goes there. Right. In a perfect world, the Red Sox, if they spend money, it's on Strowman and Trinan. That's what okay. I want. Yeah, that's fair. Um, so those are the guys we highlighted. There's a ton of guys in this free agency class. Uh, we got to a point where I think Noah's going to save me for all 50 contracts, and I was like, Dude, I don't do this. Like, if you want to do 50, go for it. That's, that's but my, we probably don't need to dive into it. That's his nature. Again, I'm not yeah. going to harp on the kid for doing it. It's awesome that he wanted to even do that for you guys. Um, just a little footnote for this episode before we wrap up. Do you have, based on, you know, the notes you've been – or the contracts you've been putting out and uh, the, the people we've been talking about, do you have any teams in mind in particular that, you know, one, are going to be the big losers, the big winners from this free agency class, and two, the teams that really need to do well in free agency? Are there any teams that come to mind? Because – I'm thinking about my New York Mets, and I yeah. think they have a chance to be the real winner of this free agent class. Just, I'm not going to – people are talking about – me and Noah have said this. You have the crazy New York sports fans who say, I want them to go trade for Chris Bryant, then I want them to sign Springer, Real Muto, bring back Stroman and Bauer. It's like, you know, something like that's not going to happen. I know Steve Cohen has money. I know he's a billionaire, but I'm not expecting him to go get our payroll up to $250 million, something like that. But – I think David Wright's contract coming off the books, Jonas Cespedes is $25 million. Granted, he lost a ton of that money just based on what happened last year. 
Um, I think the Mets have a lot of money to spend this year. They're going to have some questions about, you know, re-signing Conforto, uh, something a lot of Mets fans want to see. I could see the Mets being one of the big winners out of this free agency class just because, obviously, they have the money to spend, and a lot of guys in this market completely pertain to the Mets' needs. I think the two biggest teams that you have to watch this offseason are the Mets and the Phillies. I think those are the two most interesting cases because there are two teams we thought would get in the postseason and didn't, and you ask yourself why because they probably have enough talent to get into the postseason. So they need to find the right guys in the margins. They need to spend the right money in the right places because if not, you're going to be stuck with long-term contracts that you don't want to be stuck with. Um, it's important that the Mets don't sign everybody this offseason, as tempting as that's going to be. You want to have flexibility going forward. You look towards the free agent class next year with five legitimate superstar shortstops out there. I think the Mets, one of the other big positions they could use as a shortstop, want to save money for that class. You want to, I think you, at this point, we used to say we're not going to be able to pay both the ground and Syndergaard. I think at this point you can pay Syndergaard. Why not? He's his his value is probably the lowest it's ever been. Yeah, and I mean, he comes, it's been low since twenty sixteen. Really, yeah. So. But imagine he comes back from Tommy John and he looks like twenty sixteen Syndergaard right. again. You get him paid. If you're Noah, do you take? Uh, you are Noah. If you're Noah Syndergaard, yeah. do you take a a kind of team friendly option, but to secure him for a few years? And if you're the no. Mets, would you give him you know two, three, four years? No, like I'd that? say I believe in my ability. I can. I'm still gonna throw ninety eight with a nasty off speed pitch. I forget well, what's his calling card. Is a curveball? He's he throws he throws both. I think he has a slider. He he had a slider that was you know Degrom slider now. Yeah. Syndergaard kind of started doing that first, and then he slider. lost it. And Degrom now throws a ninety five mile per hour slider. Yeah, but, which uh, that's his bread and butter. Which is that's why there's so many strikeouts in the game. Dude, Degrom hit hundred two this year, I think. I know, I know you texted me there. I'll, 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 I'll stop talking about the ground. I'm sorry. Um, no, but the Mets, like, if you're the Mets, I think you want to save money to pay Syndergaard because you have two high-end arms in the rotation. Guys, I'm still sick. I'm sorry. If you're still if you're listening to this deep into the episode, you're most likely one of my friends. So uh, We have to start adding a, a uh, like a ding every time you have a voice crack. I think that would be a... I think our, I think our production value is well, too low in the podcast I haven't right had now. water in a half an hour. And that's, that is true. That's sick, so... Um, no, but I think the Mets and the Phillies need to hit on this offseason. The Phillies need to get into the postseason. It's been way too long for them. They spent money on Harper. This is year three of Harper. They still haven't gotten there. It's going to be year two for Girardi. I think they definitely need to get into the postseason. I think they need to retain Romuto. I think they need to bring in a Liam Hendricks type for the bullpen. Maybe even get some starting pitching help, too. Uh, those are the two teams that need to hit it. I think the Cubs need to really like identify what direction they're going in because I still have no idea what they're trying to do. And they have not been the same team since 2016. I think the Cubs, interesting offseason for them. If you're the White Sox, you don't want to screw up any contracts that you spend because your resources aren't limited, but you don't want to get locked into a bad contract that's going to limit you in the future. Um, I think Toronto is a young team now that will start spending money. Um, If they can make a big move, that'd be interesting. And then finally, the Yankees. I mean, we're year four of this, you know, not winning a World Series with this core. And um, must be dreadful. Yeah, yeah, it's, uh, it's tough. So, I don't know. Yeah. yeah, as always, thank you guys so much for listening. Me and Noah have said past week that this is one of our favorite episodes to do pretty much all year. I mean, I remember trying to start the podcast when we were trying to get over the finish line or get across the finish line to the start of the regular season. We were like, oh, it's going to be awesome when the regular season starts. We finally have baseball to talk. But as soon as you get to the season, you kind of realize that, you know, the meat and potatoes of the show is the off season, predicting all this stuff, you know, covering trade rumors. Stay tuned to this podcast. Baseball in the Burroughs Season 2 has just kicked off. We are expecting plenty of interviews, bringing people in to talk. Um, hopefully this coronavirus situation gets better, even though we don't think it's going to, where we can start bringing other people to talk. Um, you know, We're just looking to talk baseball. That's the bottom line. Season 2, first episode today. Again, thank you, Greg. Thank you, Brian, for helping us with the channel art. 
If you want to interact with us, you could also check our Twitter banner because we now put our socials on there. The podcast is at BATB pod. Noah is at Noah Broderick 20. I am at T Smith sports. We will see you guys next week where we cover more baseball and more off season. Thank Cue you so up, much. Death cap for cutie, baby. <laughs>